It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. And we're coming to you live uh, from the Billy C Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Caligero, and it's time for the Billy C Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you're listening or watching, hope you're having a great time, and I hope you enjoy the show. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant, located on beautiful St. Simons Island in Georgia. Check out his website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com, or give my man a call, 912-268-2328, 912-268-2328. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by Gawk Box. What is it? Well, you can save some money, plus get stuff for free, and at the same time, help us out. Visit our website, www.billycboxing.com, and click on the Gawk Box banner. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by my book, Tom Molino, From Bondage to Baddest Man on a Planet, is available right now where all good books are sold, and you can literally get a copy of it right now while you're watching the show or listening to the show. Just go to barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. Find out why we got a five-star rating across the board and learn about my guy, Tom Molino. I mean, this was a guy that was born a slave, was forced into fighting, Ended up fighting for his freedom and uh, was really uh, not only the first American uh, world heavyweight champ or first American heavyweight champion, he was the first American heavyweight to challenge in the very first world heavyweight title fight and was robbed. And he's not even getting the credit that he deserves. He didn't get respect while he lived and he's still not getting respect now uh, while he's gone. Find out why uh, I'm so adamant about getting history. Uh, written correctly about my man Tom Molino. You can get a copy. Looking to get a signed copy? Just visit our website, billycboxing.com, and uh, click on the book. You can't miss it. Um, coming up later in the week, uh, we got uh, our blast from the past, the Cinderella Man. Yeah, James Braddock. We'll be talking about him on Wednesday. Uh, we got a bunch of other stuff during the week. This is... Uh, Manny Pacquiao versus Jeff Horn week. Uh, the fight is uh, this weekend, and we'll be talking about that. I got some uh, news to talk about, uh, specifically some fight results and stuff. Uh, we got some sports score scores. We got some emails to read. A lot of stuff going on today. But my main topic, does Jeff Horn have a chance? I mean, you know, he's fighting Manny Pacquiao. Manny Pacquiao, uh, the only... Uh, boxer to win eight, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight world titles in eight different divisions. He's guaranteed a first ballot Hall of Famer. Exciting fighter. 
whether you like him or not, you got to give him that. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's continuing his career. He's currently the uh, World uh, Boxing Association's uh, World Welterweight Champ. But it's even more than that because the computer rankings have him at number one. Uh, some people would think that maybe Keith Thurman should be number one or, or uh, even Errol Spence now in terms of uh, athletic ability and boxing ability. Uh, but Manny Pacquiao's number one. And it would be nice to see Manny Pacquiao, should he want to continue his career at 38 years old, fight one of these young guns like uh, Thurman or Errol, Errol Spence or even Kell Brook for that matter. Uh, but instead he's fighting Jeff Horn, uh, who's ranked number 12 in the world by the computer. And my question today is, does a guy who's got 16, 17 fights uh, you know, against a, a first ballot Hall of Famer in Manny Pacquiao, despite what he says, does he really have a chance? Joining me right now to give me his thoughts uh, is uh, my partner in crime, Sal Rocky Senecola. Does Jeff Horn have a chance, Sal? Oh, of course. I mean, every fighter has a chance. The likelihood... I don't believe so, but he has a chance. There's always a, a freakish thing happening during any fight that can, can change the course of the, the result of, to the end. And you know what? Uh, do I believe he will beat Manny Pacquiao? No. <laughs> do I do I think there will be that freak opportunity? No. But can he somehow find himself uh, uh, with a lucky punch or something? Or can Manny get hurt or something? Can Manny get cut? Yeah, all these things are possible. But that's the variables that you have to consider. But black and white, on the surface, no, I don't think it'll be Manny Pacquiao. Now, let me ask you this. Yes. Um, we have uh, Manny Pacquiao fighting Jeff Horn. A lot of people feel that it's going to be an easy fight for Manny Pacquiao. Manny Pacquiao might be looking at it as an easy fight, maybe taking his opponent lightly. Um, you know, as much as I agree with you that I don't give Jeff Horn much of a chance, even this version of Manny Pacquiao, is this fight going to be as one-sided as Conor McGregor against Floyd Mayweather? I mean, uh, I'm sure it's going to be more exciting uh, because all of Manny Pacquiao's fights, for the most part, uh, except for the one he fought, Floyd Mayweather, is uh, they're more exciting than Floyd's fights. Um, the excitement factor, is that worth anything, Sal? You know, <clears throat> the excitement factor that these two ring combatants are going to be in the same ring, same date, the same night, facing each other, I'm not excited about it. Uh, the fight itself could be exciting. But like I said, I, I think Manny, look look at all you did with his introduction, Manny Pacquiao. The guy, the guy is a multi-world champion, has done things that very few fighters could ever claim that they'll ever do. And he he is already etched uh, a legacy of boxing uh, in his name forever. And uh, I, I would have preferred to see him fight the number one ranked uh, person below him or the computer rankings or whatever it is. I mean, that's the, that's the Pacquiao that we want to see challenged and everything else. And how can they rank him number one after he's been off? And what do you have, just one or two fights or whatever since he's been back since his shoulder? I mean, I, I, again, you know, he, I thought he would have to have gotten in line a little bit uh, and not take anything away from him. He is who he is. And that's why I find the whole thing kind of uh, – a little shallow that that he just didn't try to get into the ring with Floyd Mayweather, who he said he was going to make the comeback for. 
And instead of watching a real fight with Floyd Mayweather versus Manny Pacquiao, even though I think Floyd Mayweather beat him 99 or 100 times, um, I think that uh, this fight that Floyd is going to, this exhibition, it should be an exhibition, that Floyd is going to uh, partake in August is going to be nothing more than a farce, a one-sided farce. And I've been doing my MMA homework, and, and you know, I, I just, if Floyd Mayweather got in a ring with Conor McGregor, in the cage, Conor McGregor is going to kill him. I, I I know what these guys could do. If it was on his turf, on his side, on his rules and regulations, there is no fight. Floyd Mayweather would be beaten, and believe me, Conor McGregor would have no problem. But the truth of the matter is, it's the other way around. He's coming over to the boxing side. So why should anybody else expect anything different? It's not going to happen. Well... As far as Manny Pacquiao and Jeff Horn are concerned, um, oh yeah, that's you know, uh, <laughs> um, you know Jeff <laughs> Horn, Jeff Jeff Horn, uh, you know he's got uh, he's got seventeen fights, sixteen 17 wins, fights, sixteen wins, one draw. Of the seventeen fights, he's fought two guys that are even known, uh, you know, outside uh, complete diehard boxing fans, or unless you're in Australia, and that's Ali Fanica and Randall Bailey. Um, which he uh, stopped both of these guys. Uh, he does hold some advantages over Manny, like he's nine years younger, and he's got almost a four-inch uh, height advantage, uh, you know, and a one-inch uh, reach advantage, which isn't much. But Manny Pacquiao, he's fought 349 rounds more versus experience with, uh, with Jeff Horn. But here's an interesting stat, Sal. Of his 38 knockouts, Manny Pacquiao's got 38 knockouts, right? That's right. 21 more knockouts that he has, just knockouts, than Tom Horn, uh, I'm sorry, that Jeff Horn has fights. And just to remind you, he hurt his shoulder um, leading up to the Floyd Mayweather fight, which uh, to this day, uh, it still makes me sick. But after that fight, he fought Timothy Bradley. That's no layup fight. Timothy Bradley's oh. got to be one of the most underrated fighters in boxing today. And then how he won the title was he beat Jesse Vargas, who had the title. So, uh, you know, his last two fights were against, you know, significant opposition, and that's an understatement. Jesse Vargas, a, a good fighter, but Timothy Bradley, a world-class fighter, a pound-for-pound -pound fighter. Um, you know, Floyd Mayweather can't say that. Uh, since no. both of them, since they fought each other, you know, and, and, you know, you could criticize Pacquiao right now for going up against Jeff Horn, who we all are critical because, you know, we, we've come to expect Manny Pacquiao to fight nothing but the best. But when you compare him to his, uh, parallel competitor in Floyd Mayweather, Floyd Mayweather is fighting an MMA guy and you're hundred percent correct. If it was under MMA rules, Floyd Mayweather doesn't stand a chance, but that's, that's Floyd's M.O. Floyd's M.O. Sure. is never challenge himself. You know, uh, so back to Pacquiao and, and Jeff Horn. I don't give, I, I don't think Jeff Horn has much of a chance uh, unless he took this fight, uh, unless Manny took this fight lightly, Sal. And, I, and I'll, I'll read you some, uh, uh, some quotes. Jeff Horn is uh, very confident of beating Manny Pacquiao this weekend. Uh, he says that uh, he thinks uh, uh, that Manny Pacquiao has 100% underestimated him. He says that uh, he has a difficult style and he feels that it's going to give Manny Pacquiao trouble. And he says that he's in the best shape of his life. You know, Manny Pacquiao, 
you know, he just said, I I hurt my shoulder against him. Oh, no, no, no. He, he said, training is good. We did a lot of hard work. I'm excited uh, to give the fans a good show good. and to show, show my best in the ring. Um, he said that uh, some uh, reports coming out uh, of the Philippines said that I haven't been training hard. He said, but that's not true. It just happens uh, that when some of our friends come around the training camp, we're not doing much, and people assume I wasn't training hard. Well, well, <laughs> yeah, no update. I, I, I hope, I hope he he, he trains hard. <laughs> you know, but you know, it sounds to me that he is taking this fight uh, lightly. Sal, what do you think? Well, you know. It's hard to say. He could be. But the thing is this. A fighter of his magnitude, of his experience level, he knows in his heart of hearts better than that, not to take a fighter lightly. Now, also, the fact is, he had to rise to the occasion and get up for Jeff Horn. All right? Not Floyd Mayweather. Not uh, uh, somebody, not Keith Thurman. So, might he be doing a different approach with his training? Might he just count on his experience? And and uh, I don't think Manny Pacquiao is that kind of professional. I think Manny Pacquiao knows the laws, knows the rules, knows the variables that could happen in the fight game. So I think Manny Pacquiao, between you and I and everybody else, thank you very much, uh, is prepared for this fight and will prepare for the fight. How he prepared, is it as intense as if he was getting ready for Keith Thurman? or a Floyd Mayweather, or any one of the top uh, contenders out there, or champions, I don't know. How do you get, that's what I'm saying. You have to have that oomph, that, that incentive, that passion. But I'm sure he knows what he's got to do, and I'm sure he did it. Whether he felt like he was going through the motions, and maybe there was a little lackluster of a spark, uh, I don't think he, he uh, is not going to be prepared he just probably wasn't as intense in some of his sessions that his friends stopped by to see. That's good. <laughs> well, you know, Co <laughs> Coach makes an interesting point in the chat room. And by the way, um, you know, I know we're uh, still uh, simulcasting on uh, Facebook Live. You guys that are watching on Facebook Live are not getting the full video uh, version of this show. If you want to get the TV version, uh, that goes up to the networks plus uh, – is up on YouTube. Go to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash TalkinBoxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G. And my man Coach, which our official chat room that we respond to, uh, says uh, he's a congressman too. And that makes uh, Manny, Manny Pacquiao, and that adds more to it. You know, I mean, talk about distractions. Listen, I, I think it's human nature. Uh, I, I personally think that uh, that Manny Pacquiao is, is taking this fight uh, a little lightly, uh, Sal, and uh, as a result, maybe his conditioning uh, isn't as great. But one thing is for sure, he's going to have to um, he's going to have to end the fight quickly, especially if he didn't give it his all in training. And he is 38 years old, and like Coach says, he is a congressman. Uh, you know, he's got a lot of stuff going on. Obviously, a lot of people uh, are always around him, like he suggests in training. Um, and he's going to be in front of 55,000 people. So uh, hold that thought, Sal, because uh, I got to take a break. And when we come back, uh, we will uh, finish that thought. Uh, we got uh, some other stuff going on, so uh, we'll be back in two. Billy C. will be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. 
Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us today, and uh, we're glad we're with you. Yeah, we're glad we're with you. And speaking, uh, uh, being with, being with you, uh, being with us is uh, my man uh, Sal Rocky Senecola. And um, do you think he's he's you know? Do you think Manny? I, I know you're you're trying to you know say you know he's still got a. I think it's human nature. I think he's taking him a little lightly. Uh, we're going to get uh, Dax Khan on a little bit later. He's in the chat room, and he says that uh, Horn is being underestimated. I mean, does he have a chance, Sal? Of course. You know, like I said, it, it, it on paper, Manny Pacquiao should not have that much difficulty in getting this victory. However, you know, like I said, any given night, you don't know what is in one man's heart or what he's going to be able to endure and how he's going to perform. And guess what? This is Jeff Horn's time to rise to the occasion, knowing to rise to the occasion, knowing that he is getting a shot at a legend. And you know, what do you want to do? Do you want to fold over, roll over, and, and and count it out? No, you want to do the best job you ever can ever pull from your body, your heart, your mind, your your soul, and you want to put on a performance that is stellar. So with that, this is the kind of passion that if a fighter has this opportunity. He's got to know that this is his one and only time to show on a world stage what he's all about and what he could do. So, yes, Jeff Horn should be fully uh, confident that he is ready, he's prepared himself, and that he's in the ring with a legend. So there's excitement on that level and passion on that for him to to channel, to work with, and to let released in the ring. But, but uh, the uh, Manny Pacquiao... You know, it's experience, business as usual, uh, lesser of opponent on a level that he's used to being prepared for and or prepared, preparing himself for. So uh, might he have taken it lightly? I, what do you consider lightly at his age and everything else? The guy has experience. He, he's got to emotionally get up for the fight. I know he probably is. He's a professional. So even if he did things, uh, rounded off some of the corners, and uh, I'm sure he's going to come in. We're going to see Manny Pacquiao in shape. We're going to see him prepared, and we're going to see him doing business as usual. I can promise you that. Well, you know, Jeff Horn is in a win-win situation. I mean, he's got, he's seven, in a win-win situation. He's got 17, you, yeah, he's got 17 pro fights. He's uh, mostly, uh, all of his fights are fought down in the land down under in Australia. And, um, you know, he's got a chance, like you said, to, to fight in front of uh, his home court, so to speak. And, uh, uh, put on a, a performance and and maybe even get lucky, but he's in a win-win situation. Even if he loses the fight, you know he's still getting a a, a huge payday. Uh, he's still fighting and getting the opportunity against a future Hall of Famer, like you suggest. Uh, so yeah, yeah. I mean, there's nothing for him to lose, and of course he's confident. They've yeah. been telling him in his ear for the last couple of months that uh, he's you know going to shock the world. He's going to beat Manny Pacquiao. Look, man, he's not training. Look, man, he's doing this. Man, he's doing that. You know, but the most, uh, you know, important question I have for Manny Pacquiao 
is why. You know, I, I'm 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 well, saying why you, why why why? Are, why are you even fighting this fight? I mean, you got to assume that he's financially well off, even if he's not. Even if he, you know, his publicized tax issues and stuff. Even if he's not, there's so many bigger, more lucrative fights for Manny Pacquiao out there. Now, you could make the argument that this is a forced fight. The WBO made him do this challenge. But but the truth of the matter is, is if you recall, he was trying to fight Amir Khan first. Remember, they they uh, uh, they left Jeff Horn hanging there uh, for a while. So I, I just um, I, I just don't know why Manny's doing it at 38 years old. Uh, he's clearly uh, over the hill in terms of uh, his career, and uh, I just don't understand why. He's in a lose-lose situation, lose-lose, because even if he wins, people are going to be negative about the level of opposition. They're going to say, why didn't you fight uh, you know, Keith Thurman or, or Errol Spence or even Kel Brook or, or somebody that's you know, along those lines? Uh, even Sean Porter, for example, you know, there, there's going to be so many other welterweights that they're going to throw at him. And of course, some of us, uh, very few, because a lot of people felt that it was a very uh, boring, anticlimactic fight between Pacquiao and Mayweather. I, I would like to see another fight because I'm sick of Manny, you know, I hurt, I hurt my shoulder. I, I couldn't fight because I hurt my shoulder. You know, I, I don't want to hear the excuse. I want to see Mayweather win if he's going to win a rematch and have uh, Manny Pacquiao give the credit where credit's due. So I think Manny's in a lose-lose situation, Sal. Bill, you just said it. You, and you're 100% right. I have to agree with you. Manny Pacquiao is in a lose-lose situation except for winning and, and the, the, the fight and money. But... I know what you mean. He's in a lose-lose situation. He's going to be looked at, and, and it's going to be questions after the fight. But Jeff Horn is in a win-win situation. And even if Jeff Horn goes the distance or looks good or doesn't – I mean, he, he's in a stellar position. He's taking on a future Hall of Famer uh, who, who's supposed to win, who's supposed to do things. And he's got this opportunity. How could you not rise to the occasion and want to get in the ring and say, "Hey, I'm the best. I'm going to beat him. I'm going to I'm going to show the world and shock everybody what I'm going to do." So that's what I'm saying. That's what he's got on his side. And again, he, he even if he does uh, come up lucky and win, again, that's a great position for him to be in, of course. But if he loses, he's still he, he's going in the ring. He's got an early Christmas gift. And uh, I think this is going to be great for his future, great for his career. And uh, he'll have to be uh, feeling good after this fight. And uh, Manny Pacquiao, yeah, same thing. You know, he's going to be coming up victorious, but he'll be looked at. What, what kind of situation? Who'd you fight? Who'd you really fight? You can afford a guy in his 18th pro fight. Uh, there, and you said it right there. There's Keith Thurman. There's Porter. There's many other people out there that could have been considered. Uh, that would have been a better opponent, a more marquee value, if you will. Well, the other the other thing, he could have really shoved it up Floyd's you know what. He could have by by fighting by fighting a Keith Thurman or an Errol Spence or a Sean Porter or or a Kell Brook even. You know, a, a top name in the welterweight division and show that Manny Pacquiao is still fighting real fights versus picking a MMA guy for the check. I mean, let's face it. Floyd and Conor McGregor are fighting each other for the money. And, you know, they're taking advantage of, uh, of the fans and the stupidity of the fans that are going to buy the fight. Um, you know, thinking... That, now, now, let me rephrase that. I, I don't think fans are stupid for buying it if they think that it's worth it 
for the entertainment value. Right. But if they're right. buying it because they really think that it's going to be a legitimate fight, then they're stupid because there's no way. And uh, as much as you know, McGregor could land that lucky punch, um, and I certainly hope he does, but uh, it's very unlikely. But my point is that Manny Pacquiao could have picked a much better opponent and still be in a win-win situation because if he lost to a Keith Thurman or a Kell Brook or a Sean Porter or an Errol Spence, then people say, well, he's 38 years old. He's past his prime. He's been in some wars. It's over for Manny. But he still walks out uh, you know, on his sh with his head held high and he gets a huge payday. This is a high-risk, no-reward fight for Manny Pacquiao. He could get stopped. He could hurt himself and re-injure his shoulder that ends his career. And the last image we have is Manny Pacquiao fighting Jeff Horn, Sal. Well, you're, you're so right, Bill. And those are the possibilities that could happen. And uh, But believe me, believe me I, I don't believe this is Manny's last ca or cash-out fight. He's probably anticipating uh, sailing on, getting past Jeff Horn fairly easily, and uh, he's going to look for a bigger name where he can say, hey, you know what, look at this. I, Manny Pacquiao's fighting a Keith Thurman, or he's fighting a, a, a Kell Brook or Errol Spence. And, you know, these guys, are they going to have the respect for Manny as if he was in his heyday? No. These guys, these guys could feel right now in their heart of hearts that they could beat Manny Pacquiao. And uh, most likely, maybe they can. Uh, who knows? But the bottom line is this. Uh, we'll always see the best from Manny Pacquiao. Uh, and whether Father Time negates it or Styles, which will always make the fights, uh, Manny Pacquiao could have a difficult time with some of these styles. Um, and I don't believe for one minute with a man like Manny Pacquiao entering the ring, whether it's a height advantage, uh, reach advantage, that that doesn't even come into play. With the, all the experience you have and putting all those negativities into your positive corner for a win, you know how to get past that. So Manny Pacquiao knows how to get past this. He's experienced, and that's a big teacher right there. He's got life-learned experience against this opponent he's going to face. Yeah, well, uh, he might need a little more... Uh... I mean, Jeff Horn's going to need more than uh, a little bit of experience. Neither one of these guys uh, have fought uh, in 2017. Uh, Jeff Horn's last fight was in December. Manny's was in November. Um, so, I mean, uh, you know, both of them have been out of the ring, uh, you know, more than six months. So, uh, you know, that's going to be uh, also an issue. Manny's fought after layoffs before, um, but... The age factor, you know, um, it's not going to be the same Manny that we saw in the last fight. It's certainly not going to be the same Manny we saw in the fight before that against Timothy Bradley. And we're hoping it's not the same Manny that we saw in the ring with Floyd Mayweather. So, I, you know, um, I, again, I, I don't know why we will be talking about this fight more uh, as the week uh, goes on. Um, now, normally we do post-fight shows. Uh, and this is certainly a big fight to do one. Unfortunately, we won't be doing a post-fight on Saturday after the fight. We will be doing a post-fight on Monday. So uh, a week from today, we will be doing the, the post-fight. We will not be uh, doing uh, a post-fight uh, show uh, on Saturday night because uh, the 4th of July weekend, even though it falls in the middle of next week, uh, and the 1st, July 1st, happens to be uh, on Saturday, uh, the holiday is uh, messing up our schedule a little bit. But we will be 
uh, doing shows uh, all next week while you guys are off uh, blowing your hands apart and stuff with Fourth of July. We'll be here doing the show, <laughs> Sal. So uh, uh, anyway, that's wrong. That's wrong. <laughs> well, people got to be careful. They got to be careful. I mean, just ask uh, <laughs> Bill. You know, you, know you just you just you just put my mind back, and and I don't mean anything to anybody that's had that kind of accident. Surely not, because it could be devastating and it's dangerous, and we all know the risk involved. But you just you just made me have a flashback to the first time I heard one of the one of the jerky boys about that kind of scenario. Well, I tell you, I thought you were gonna, I thought you were gonna. We got to take a break, but I thought you were gonna tell me (laughs) that it just put you back in time when your giants, one of your giants, uh, (laughs) what's his name, Pierre Pierre Paul, blew his hand off. I mean, what an idiot with that. But uh, anyway, we know that we got to take a short break. Uh, We will be back in. I don't know. I'm gonna say two. Billy C. will be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're listening and watching the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, uh, with me uh, right now is uh, my man uh, Sal Rocky Senecola. And Sal, they made it official. Uh, we'll, we'll be talking a lot more about uh, Manny Pacquiao against Jeff Horn, if we could find anything else to talk about. Sal, I mean, uh, Dax Khan will be coming up uh, in about a half hour. And uh, be giving us his thoughts, but uh, um, they made it official. You remember the fight, uh, Guillermo Rigondeaux, um, who when he uh, uh, hit uh, his opponent after the bell, and um, it was total chaos with the inept. And I, I've totally lost all respect for the Nevada State Athletic Commission and Bob Bennett, who refuses to comment uh, on the official letter I sent. But uh, it was made officially official. Uh, the Nevada State Athletic Commission has changed Rigondeaux's win to a no contest. What's your thoughts? It was a cheap shot. And uh, what are they going to do now? They're going to have rematch? They're going to try and do this again? I, I don't know. But, uh, you know, it, it, it was a cheap shot. So um, I, uh, I don't disagree with their verdict. I, I, I don't. I think it was a tough decision. First of all, I don't think it was. A, I, di- I disagree with you. I don't mm-hmm. think it was a cheap shot because, um, and, and although you could make the argument that a fighter, uh, you know, could be in in motion of throwing punches in every fight, you know, the bell sounds. I sure. blame a lot of it on Vic Draculich because like we talked about with uh, Larry uh, uh, Hazard last week, he was not in position when you hear the 10-second the or 5-second uh, warning, uh, depending upon which commission you're fighting under, it's the referee's job to get close to the fighters. So when the bell rings, he actually steps in front so that the fighters know. Now, he did step in front after the bell, but Rigondeaux was already in motion. I, I, I'm okay with the no contest. I'm not... 
I'm not okay with the way it happened. I'm not okay with the commission. I'm not okay with Vic Draculich not having control and making a quick, decisive decision. Uh, I'm certainly not happy with Bob Bennett and his stumbling, bumbling, rumbling BS. Uh, and then given the, the commentators from HBO, all the accolades and acting like they were running the show, uh, I just feel that the Nevada State Athletic Commission, as far as I'm concerned, uh, has uh, lost all my respect. Now, what takes place next? I mean, it's ruled a no contest, so that's basically saying, Sal, that the fight never took place. Um, maybe a rematch is in order. Maybe the, uh, uh, you know, the, the sanctioning body orders a rematch. I mean, I, maybe that's the best thing to do. Maybe, maybe. And, uh, you know, each fighter will know going in what to expect to a degree. And, you know, and you're right. I mean, when I use the comment cheap shot, if he's in his combination and he's momentum and all that, you know, and the bell rings split second and he's following through, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a hard call. You know, you help, you, you hear to the bell, you hopefully just stop or diffuse what you've got going on. But it's a hard call when you're in the heat of the battle. You know, that bell rings and you're, you're finishing up. You're following through where you started. Um, yeah, and the snap judgment. And uh, by the way, uh, I think Bennett has that letter in the mail for you. Um, yeah. Bennett, yeah. Bennett but, should have uh, been man enough to at least comment. He could have, all, all he could have done is given his official uh, reason why. And it had nothing to do with that fight, by the way, the letter. The letter had to do with yeah. why he approved uh, Conor McGregor a pro debut fighter to fight, uh, you know, many people who many people regard as this generation's best pound for pound fighter in Floyd Mayweather, a clear, a clear first ballot Hall of Famer, a guy that's 49 and oh, you know, uh, you know, but uh, well, I'll tell you, not to get too far off the subject, but I'll tell you the best answer I've heard from my good friend Bobby Chez last week when we talked and he said, Sal. They're not looking at it from that standpoint. They're looking at it that they're both involved with striker sports. And that's, across the board, that's how the commission's viewing it, and that's how they could put this fight together in with their consciousness. Uh, well, that's just, wrong. Uh, I, I, I mean, I love Bobby Chess, but I disagree yeah. with him because MMA is different than boxing. Yeah, it's it both striking. Yeah, well, well, you know, uh, fencing is a striking sport. You know, you're striking with a weapon. You know, I mean, uh, it's not the same. Uh, you know, uh, baseball. Uh, you know, striking football. Sport, you no, no, with a bat. I, I'm just saying. I'm just saying, baseball and football. Uh, you know, they're both uh, played in a league. They're both played on a field. You know, they're both played during the day and at evening. You know, so does I that make you. it the same? It. No, it doesn't. I MMA it. No. is totally different. I get it. If he would have fought amateur fights and had them documented, I'd be singing a different tune. If he fought one or even two professional fights, I'd be singing a different tune. But to a pro agree. debut, I'm sorry. It, that, that's, a, that's a very stupid decision, and it's clearly based on the revenue factor that the commission is going to make on this fight. I mean, you you could sugarcoat it. You could smoke screen it. You could say it. You could. I mean, Bobby Ches could come and and give us a speech and and have us all give him a standing ovation. But the truth is the truth. It's about the money, Sal. 
I mean, there's no oh, you but, can't you yeah. can't. By you the can't way, change yeah, it. not to put Bobby out there in that sense. And surely, you know what? He'll call in if you want. I'll I'll, I'll arrange that for you. He'll 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 get he'll come on the show and talk all about. I'm sure. But the bottom line is this, um, and I know you can arrange that easily too. The bottom line is Bobby was saying that's how they could have approved it. He didn't say that's how he felt it could be approved. Uh, Bobby is in total. Uh, uh, he's on our side. He feels the same way. And I'm going to tell you something. With all the fight fans I have coming in and out of my pizzeria on a weekly basis and all of them talking to me about this fight, that's all we do day and night. I have the men and women from Fletzy. I have this one. I have that. I, uh, the the, the, uh, the uh, boxing fans coming in day and night, they all ask my opinion about it. And guess what? 90% of them all concur with you and I. They say, Sal, it's a mismatch. Shouldn't even happen. Shouldn't even happen. I'm talking about the boxing fans. The MMA fans, they're even saying that they know it's a mismatch. And they're even saying it's not a real fight. A lot of the MMA fans that come into my pizzeria, I'm telling you, a lot of people think this is a farce. The bottom, so good for them. No, but I agree. And most people agree that it's a farce. But the problem is it makes the Nevada State Athletic Commission lose credibility by approving yeah. it as a real fight. There's been many fights throughout the history of boxing where fighters fight, uh, you know, uh, non-boxers. And, and in a lot of cases, you know, exhibitions are, are totally acceptable. Muhammad Ali fought a, a sumo wrestler. It's not on his record. You don't see it on his official boxing record. You know, I, I mean, but you're going to see Mayweather's win over McGregor on his official boxing record. That's my hang-up. That's it. Uh, you know, I, I have no problem with the fight and the fighters making a ton of money, which they are. I don't even have a problem with the commission pocketing money or the hotels and all the businesses in Las Vegas that are going to make money. I have no problem with that. I support that. I have a problem with the fight being a sanctioned professional boxing match that counts on Floyd's record. And I don't even care if Floyd could have fought another Andre Berto for a 50th win, and that would be more reputable than the fight that he's fighting with Conor McGregor. He wouldn't have made as much money. I get it. You know, I don't need somebody to tell me that. I know it, you know, but the truth of the matter is it's a joke, it's a farce, and it's it's terrible for the sport of boxing. And I'll tell you what, you know, the Nevada State Athletic Commission uh, as I've lost all respect for them. I had them in my top four. Uh, they, they might as well just be, and I'm going to say this because I was a licensed promoter in the state, they might as well go and uh, they're no better than the state of Maine, you know, and the state of Maine uh, is a very weak uh, commission, and it is what it is. I was a licensed promoter there uh, for uh, several fights, and, uh, and the truth of the matter is, is they're very, uh, very, very weak. That's why I went there. But uh, anyway, we got some uh, fight results uh, 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 from the weekend uh, in a, uh, a fight that uh, saw a lot of a lot of these guys. Both guys hit the canvas. Uh, Tyrone Brunson improved to twenty-five and six with three draws uh, when he uh, uh, knocked out uh, Kermit Cintron uh, in the fifth round, one minute and twenty-one seconds. Uh, despite him going down not once but twice uh, in the uh, uh, fourth round. Uh, so he, he recovered and came back and knocked out uh, Kermit Citron, uh, 
who uh, said after the fight, it's not easy being green. Oh, that's <laughs> I knew that was that, coming, that's a different, Billy. That's a different I knew Kermit. somewhere that was coming. That, that's a Thanks different for Kermit. That. But uh, I think I think that <laughs> Kermit uh, Cintron is uh, done. I, I mean, this is a guy that you know didn't really like boxing anymore, and then he got into it. He's been you know hand fed uh, some uh, uh, weak opposition, but Tyrone Brunson uh, beats. Uh, uh, Kermit Citron, he picks up the Pennsylvania State, uh, state title uh, in the junior middleweight division. Also over the weekend, Tomas Adamak uh, scored a 10-round unanimous decision over Solomon Humano uh, to improve to 51 wins and three losses with 30 knockouts uh, in the heavyweight division. Humano uh, drops to 24-4, and 100-90, and two judges had it 99-91 uh, for, for uh, Adamak. Uh, you can uh, bet your uh, last dollar that you'll see him uh, get another world title shot at some time in the future. Uh, why he's still fighting, I don't know. But uh, in the cruiserweight division, Christoph Glowacki improved to 27-1 when he scored a six-round knockout over uh, Hiznai uh, Ataku, uh, Atunakea, uh, who had been unde- undefeated going into this fight. He's now 29-1. and um, This is... Uh, uh, Glowacki's first uh, fight since he lost to uh, Alexander uh, Usyk uh, last year. And uh, former uh, cruiserweight title uh, challengers, uh, Matuz Masternak uh, and Esmil uh, uh, Solika um, fought, and uh, Masternak uh, won a 10-round unanimous decision, uh, 96-92, 95-93 twice, with the way the judges scored that one. Also, and some uh, boxing action over the weekend. Miguel Roman, Mickey Roman, improved to 57-12 and 12 with 44 knockouts when he scored a uh, knockout, and I'm talking about a brutal uh, 12th-round knockout over Nuri uh, Segulian, who drops to 38-9 uh, in uh, Mexico. One minute and 10 seconds uh, was uh, the official time of that one. And uh, one of uh, your favorite fighters... <laughs> Certainly not mine, although I love this guy as a commentator. Uh, don't know why he's even fighting. He, he's, he's, he's been nothing less than a fraud. B.J. Flores, who's now fighting in the heavyweight division, and, and the WBA, <laughs> oh, one of the biggest baby. joke uh, sanctioning bodies in boxing, has him ranked at number 10, which is a complete farce. Uh, he improved to 34-3 and three with a draw when he scored a uh, six-round. He's fighting six-rounders, uh, six-round decision. Over uh, Nick Guavis, who drops to thirteen and six. You know how good is BJ Flores? He's fighting thirteen and five guys over don't six rounds. Don't say he's my favorite um, fighter. I don't even follow the guy. Sixty to fifty-four was the way uh, <laughs> all the judges scored that one. So uh, what a joke! Uh, BJ Flores, great. I-, I love him as a commentator, Sal, but fraud as a boxer. Guys, I like his name. I mean, his name is, is catchy. I mean, he should be a singer. Or no, that was B.J. Thomas. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, uh, I got some emails to read, Sal. Uh, but first, let's get people caught up with baseball, if you care. Uh, Twins over the Indians, 4 to nothing. Marlins beat the Cubbies, 4-2. to two. The Orioles beat the Rays, 8-5. to five. Angels over the Red Sox, 4-2. to two. The Brewers shut out the Braves, 7-zip. Reds over the Nationals, 6-2. Rangers beat the Yankees, 7-6. A's over the White Sox, 5-3. Blue Jays over the Royals, 8-2. The Mets won again, three in a row. They swept the Giants, 8-2, wow. which is a joke. The Giants are the only team worse than the Mets. Astros, 8. Mariners, 2. Dodgers, 12. Rockies, 6. 
The Diamondbacks and the Phillies had a tough nail-biter. Took 11 innings to get the winner. Diamondbacks prevailed 2-1. to one. Tigers over the Padres 7-5. to five, And the Cardinals beat the Pirates 8-4. to four. We got some emails. You ready? I'm ready. First one, Joel says, uh, I really liked, you know, uh, Joel, does Joel ever go against you? I mean, I don't know. what What is, is he on your payroll now? I mean, uh, I, I, I don't know. But he says, I, I really liked, it, it, here's Joel, my man Joel. I really like Sal's question that he posed to your audience on Friday. To answer Sal, obviously he doesn't care what I ask, but he only cares about what Sal says. I think he wants another couple of t-shirts i hope i, I tell you what on. if we do this event which uh, uh you know it sounds like we are and uh I, i'm hoping people uh will email me uh the event we're doing august uh down in uh at the sea palms joel better show up sal don't you think i'll have a shirt for him don't you think he better show up he better take a buddy of his and or or his pops or somebody and come down i mean I, I think would the, love I, it. I, I think Joel has to. Joel and many of the people out there, I would love to meet them. If they're capable of, or able to get down there, oh, boy, that would be great. And you know what? You and I should definitely make it a date to show up at the International Boxing Hall of Fame maybe next year. Well, I think that uh, I think that Joel uh, and his cronies should come down. I think him and a yes. bunch of his buddies should all uh, – uh, come on down. Take for, a bus uh, ride, man. Come on down. Have some pizza. Play some golf. Watch Billy and I do a commentation, commentating on uh, Fight Pass, and and let's never have a great time. Just shake hands, drink some beer, and have a toast. So let's read or his email. English he's muffin. A, he says uh, he says he says to answer. Not that we're prejudiced against English muffins. Um, I he says he says a bagel, English muffin, a toast, whatever you prefer. Okay, we don't want to offend anybody. Uh, he says to answer Sal, I feel if Mayweather fought McGregor under MMA rules, I believe it would he'd be one of the few boxers who would actually show some success early on in the fight. Connor doesn't like to take his opponents down much, preferring to stand and knock them out. I could see Floyd actually working on takedown defense. Connor would exhaust himself out as he fights to get Floyd down. He may uh, eventually get taken down and beaten up later in an MMA fight against Connor, but I think he'd make some. Things tougher than most boxers to MMA uh, to uh, versus uh, MMAs to boxers. He says, not sure if Sal remembers, but back in 2010, James Tony fought in the UFC against Randy Couture. Tony got uh, quickly taken down and submitted. However, Tony was the uh, on the downturn of his career. I think a Floyd Mayweather would present a good challenge for Connor in the MMA cage because he's incredibly gifted with his skills and intelligent at learning and adjusting to a fight or a fighter. Well, you know, I will say this. I, I like that. I will say this. You know, Joel, all kidding aside, he's, uh, we're, we're very thankful uh, for his loyalty to this show and Absolutely. his contributions on the website and everything else. But I think he's uh, somebody slipped him some, some funny stuff because uh, there's no way. First of all, Floyd Mayweather doesn't challenge himself inside his his own ring. He would never, ever stand a chance against Conor McGregor in the fight, in an MMA fight. Conor would destroy him. I don't think that that Mayweather makes it out of one round with Conor McGregor. Uh, you know, even if he's doing a full stand-up boxing and running and everything else, Conor McGregor would just bull rush him, slam him to the canvas, and it would be lights out uh, for Floyd. That's why Floyd is doing what he what he is making this a boxing match. The truth of the matter is, 
is that uh, uh, the only thing I do agree with with this email, Sal, is that Joel points out that Conor McGregor gets gassed. And that's the other reason Floyd picked him. Conor McGregor's <laughs> going to fight like a gangbuster for one or two rounds, maybe three. Then he's going to be gonna half dead. Oxygen. He's going to be half dead. Floyd's going to win this fight by knockout between Conor McGregor. Oh, yeah. what, what's Floyd's your thoughts of Floyd fighting in an MMA cage? Uh, to, 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 to Joel's question that Floyd would actually give him a fight. Well, I, and I, I said that and posed that question just simply to establish the fact that in each of their own elements, they're going to be superior. And this just happens to be that Conor McGregor is entering under and into the domain of Floyd Mayweather. And if it was the other way around, Floyd would come up very short. And, you know, these guys that do their MMA, I mean, I've watched some of this MMA. They use their legs. They put a scissor around the waist. They they do things that Floyd would only uh, – he'd think he'd be inside a washing machine. And I don't care what. Floyd would never – I don't think he'd make it out of a first round. I mean, it's it's a brutal sport, uh, as boxing is in its own right. But when you're using all your limbs to dismantle an opponent and you could put a, a choke around someone's abdomen with your with your legs, scissors – and 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 do some elbows and knock this and knock that the back of the head. If Floyd is on the ground, he's going to be like a turtle, defenseless. If he's on his back, and uh, it just it, it's beyond my my realm of, of expertise. But I know that Floyd probably would never have made made it or would make it out of the first round if it was MMA. I agree. There's no way uh, Floyd Floyd wouldn't make it out of the ring if he fought uh, Keith Thurman or Errol Spence or you know. I mean, come on. I no, mean, Floyd no, no. Floyd I is has he's a master of of smoke and mirrors. But uh, anyway, we got another email. This one's from uh, uh, my man Chase, and he says, "Hey crew," he says, uh, "While I respect uh, Roy Jones." Junior for taking on Ruiz, I believe it fails in comparison to Ward possibly taking on Anthony Joshua. I think if Jones would have taken on Lennox Lewis uh, around 2003, it would have been right there with Ward against Joshua. I would compare Leonard taking on Hagler to Mayweather coming out of retirement to take on Triple G at this time. What's your thoughts? Well, uh, Chase, uh, I uh, first of all, I appreciate uh, you uh, taking some time. He says uh, he's a huge fan of the show. I, I appreciate you taking the time, uh, dropping us an email. Um, but uh, uh, I agree with uh, with Chase 100% uh, that, you know, I've only asked uh, Floyd, um, uh, you know, uh, asked of Floyd to do that. I, I, I feel that, at least for myself, I would have respected Floyd way more, whether he won, lost, or, or had a draw with Triple G. And as a matter of fact, I believe that he has a better chance of beating Triple G than, uh, than most. So, but, but Floyd's failure uh, to think outside the box and take chances uh, will always have an asterisk next to his name as far as my book. But I do uh, definitely make that equivalent to when Sugar Ray Leonard came out and, and seeked out the best in Marvin Hagler and won. I disagree with the outcome, but I, he won nonetheless. That's what it shows in the record books. So I agree with my man Chase 100%. What's your thoughts? 
I, I do. It's, it's like uh, the analogy I made the other day with saying that uh, Andre Ward is stepping up and wanting to fight Anthony Joshua. I mean, it, it's not the same fight, not the same background, but yeah, it would be like a Sugar Ray Leonard uh, going up in weight class against uh, the supposedly best uh, uh, opponent in that division, heavyweight division for today, uh, arguably, but it could be. And the same thing with this. At Floyd, I'll tell you, I would love it. And I've been saying this for months, that Floyd Mayweather, we don't know. I doubt it, but Floyd Mayweather could be ringside. It's in his backyard for the Triple G Canelo Alvarez fight. And he can go up in that ring either before, during, or after. Not during, but <laughs> before or after. And, and state that he wants the winner. And he's going to show the world and shock the world. That's also how he could steal some thunder. We know he loves to steal thunder. And he thought this fight with Conor McGregor would steal thunder from uh, the Triple G but and uh, and uh, Alvarez. But it didn't because, you know, this is a bona fide, real, competitive, great matchup between two warriors. And it's going to be a stellar fight. Win, lose, or draw for either guy. It's going to be a great fight. And uh, Floyd can't upstage that, but the only way he could do something is if he gets in the ring, says he wants the winner. He won't do it. You keep saying that. You're holding strong. I know. You're, I wonder what the Las Vegas odds are for that. You're, you're holding You're holding <laughs> strong to that hope. But Floyd, Floyd. I'm holding strong. He, I really am. I don't know why I'm, I just feel, you know, maybe because it's what I would want to do. Maybe it's because, it's because I, I just sense that Floyd, if he, feels he is really that that kind of a, an elitist or, or that kind of uh, special athlete or feels in his heart of hearts that, that he's that dominant and that he could call upon his body to do anything like that. that that's a natural course. I mean, he's been speaking. And you're right, Bill. He does have a style that I believe can give Triple G a little bit of trouble. And he already knows he beat uh, Canelo Alvarez and uh, – so, I mean, that's why I'm giving my my thoughts to that whole scenario a little more credence, credence because he beat Alvarez already. So he feels he could beat him again. He feels he has the style to beat Triple G. So, you know, Floyd doesn't take that much of a risk. But if he feels in his heart of hearts he's got one last big one to go out with, what could be bigger than, than and, and, and surpass a fight like this? Then taking on the winner of uh, this fight. And, uh, you know, in his heart of hearts, he probably feels he could beat both guys. So in Floyd fashion, maybe he's going to bite the bullet and say, hey, this is the way I'm going to go out. This is my last one, and this is what I'm going to do. Never happened. Floyd okay. is, is done. He's going to fight the easiest fight he could find and make the most money that he could possibly make. That's the fight he chose. That's Conor McGregor. You'll never see Floyd in the ring again. And, you know, um, his thinking is that he already, you're right, if Canelo beat Triple G, then people would say, well, let him fight Canelo again. Uh, but his, his reasoning would be, no, I already beat Canelo. I don't need to fight him again. You know, and, and all his fans will say the same thing. Same thing with May, with uh, Manny Pacquiao. Uh, I don't need to fight him. You know, and remember, this is a guy in Floyd Mayweather who said that he knows he could beat Triple G, so why does he have to fight him? You know, I, I mean, just ridiculous. Well, you know That's great. Ridiculous, yeah. <laughs> he saves us all time and money. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, he's, uh, you know, this is the this is the type of, of smokescreen uh, that this guy does. I mean, you know, it is what it is. Listen. The quicker he's out of this sport, 100% in terms of boxing, 
And, and unfortunately, you know, we got to watch him again against McGregor. But the quicker he's out, the better the sport will be. Just remember, prior to him announcing that he's going to fight Conor McGregor, 2017 was going pretty well, wasn't it? You know, as soon as he mentions his name, next thing you know, you know, it's like, uh, right? I mean, it was going pretty well. He says he's coming back. And all of a sudden, we got, oh, God, we got a delay. We got Pacquiao Horn. We got this. We got that. You know, it's like, come on. You know, so uh, it is what it is. Hey, Sal, listen, we're going to take a break. Uh, I'm going to uh, put you, kick you to the curb here for about 10, 15 minutes. Uh, I didn't mean to kick it out or knock your headset off. But uh, we're going to have uh, Dax coming on in a minute. So uh, go uh, use your turlet, uh, refill your coffee, because I know you got uh, it talked to. Oh, there you go. I knew, I I knew glasses, I, 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 his eyesight's <laughs> starting to go a little. But uh, do all of that, and then we'll be back to you in about 15. All right, my man? You got it, buddy. You guys take care. I'll listen in, and we'll talk to you in about 15. All right. That's my man, Sal Rocky Senecola. I'm going to take a short break. When I come back, Dax Khan will join us, give us his thoughts on uh, Pacquiao Horn. So uh, we'll be back uh, in about two. Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy, Billy C. C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And... No. We're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, don't forget, uh, if you're watching us on uh, the Facebook live stream, and if you're interested in uh, seeing the uh, full-blown video version, the same version that's on uh, the television networks and uh, all of that, uh, go to our YouTube channel or just go to our website, BillyCBoxing.com. Our YouTube channel is YouTube.com slash Talkin', T-A-L-K-I-N. Boxing, B-O-X-I-N-G. Uh, you'll see uh, a much better uh, version of the show. Uh, the film is, uh, video is better quality, plus you see multiple screenshots. Unfortunately, uh, Facebook Live only lets us do uh, one, and um, it's not the same. So anyway, FYI. And by the way, you want to communicate with us, uh, go into the chat room on BillyCBoxing.com. Although I do uh, communicate through Facebook. Uh, that's just, uh, you know, because uh, some of my buddies uh, are coming on. I want to give a special shout-out to my man Sherman Henson and uh, my girl Emily, Emily Harney. I can't wait for her to come back. Uh, you got to call me, Emily. Anyway, joining us right now is my man, Dax Khan. What's up, Dax? Hey, what's going on? I'm still rolling over this weekend's Heather Hardy fight. My gosh, was that a good fight? Yeah, well, you know how I feel about uh, Heather Hardy and yeah. Uh, there's all listen, that. listen. I'm going to stop you now. Hey, I don't care what you're time out. I can mute you now. Watch this fight. Watch yeah. this fight. Yeah, I, this, Heather this, Hardy. This girl was cut. She was so accurate. She just totally just dominated Alice Yeager in that cage. She shut this girl down. And, you know, she, she was a warrior. And let me tell you, there's no way can anybody doubt this woman again. I'm telling you, Heather Hardy's a superstar. And this weekend, she performed <laughs> like a, You can superstar. laugh all you want. And you superstar. know what? Laugh all you want. And you know something? Laughing like that without seeing this fight, Bill, you know something? You're just you're making yourself look bad. Hey, I tell you what, 
you're making yourself look bad. And I'll tell you this, a superstar, are you kidding me? I don't care how good she looked in the MMA. She's nowhere near a superstar. I'm, I focus on boxing. I don't focus on MMA. So whether she looked great in a cage or not, that's irrelevant to me. So uh, let's move on to what I want to talk about. I don't want to talk about her um, but uh, unless she's boxing. But uh, uh, Jeff Horn is fighting uh, Manny Pacquiao. It's Unfortunately, it's the topic this week. Um, does he have a chance? Yes, he has a chance. Absolutely. How? How does he have a yeah, chance? Yeah, tell me well, how. Well, first of all, he's just he's very underrated. Everybody's writing this guy off. You know, the guy, even though he only has uh, 17 fights, he has a well-rounded opponent set. Uh, you know, he's, he's faced guys like uh, Randall Bailey and Ali Fineca, even though they're at the tail end of their career. Uh, you know, he has faced them. He's faced a lot of uh, top-level European fighters. He's faced fighters of um, tall fighters. He's faced shorter fighters. Um, early on, he's dangerous. Uh, he's gotten off the canvas to come back. I believe um, his the win ratio of his opponents together is over 90%. So, yeah, this guy has a chance Definitely he has a chance. And, you know, if Manny Pacquiao doesn't think or anybody else doesn't think this guy's got a chance, they might be in for, uh, you know, a complete shock. The guy, I think, 174-20-5 uh, with two former world champions, three regional champions. You know, dig behind those numbers, and you're going to see Jeff Moore is more than just uh, Jeff Horn who. Jeff Horn is a lively underdog. You know, I, I mentioned earlier that he his only two big wins were against the two guys that you mentioned, Randall Bailey and Ali Funica. Uh, stopping both of them um, but that's it he does have a, a, a almost a four inch height advantage but I mean and, and he's younger he's nine years younger and with the reports coming out that Manny's not really preparing right and plus he's got you know all these other things going on which is always the case with Manny and the bottom line is he's 38 and in my opinion you know it's hard to get up for a fight like this but Jeff Horn is fighting in front of his hometown so to speak at least his home country but as much as I try, Dax, I, I I can't give him much of a chance. I I I really can't unless unless Manny is just so so done, and he certainly didn't look done a year ago against Vargas, and he certainly didn't look done to the fight prior to that against Timothy Bradley. So even if even if Manny Pacquiao is seventy percent of the Manny Pacquiao we we knew, you know, uh, six seven eight years ago, I think it's a tough battle for Jeff Horn. Of course, it's going to be a tough battle for Jeff Horn. Nobody, nobody's saying that. And um, I would, in my mind, Manny's going to win. But it's not unreasonable to think that Jeff Horn can pull this out. See, the mentality of people, whether it's fans, whether it's promoters, and a lot of media is unless you see, unless they're the U.S. fighters, and unless this guy has a zero or only two or three losses on his record, he's no good. A lot of these European fighters and why the European fans love their fighters. These are guys with 30, 40 losses. They've been stopped twice, but you know what? They have such rounded skill sets, and this guy has been in there with those type of fighters. He's been in there with former world champions, so he's kind of gained a little bit of experience from each one of these guys. You know, the only thing Manny Pacquiao is really going to bring to him, in my opinion, is the speed that he's never experienced. Manny Pacquiao hasn't had a knockout in a long time. Horn has been down early several times in his career, but it seems he gets right off that canvas, and when he does, he stops his opponent. So you know something, how is Manny Pacquiao going to deal with this guy if he knocks him down 
And this guy gets up and he comes at him stronger. You know, he's not going to be like Chris Algieri standing over there waiting for somebody to tell him to let him out of the cage. Well, <laughs> that's right. Um, you know, Randall Bailey is obviously a, a big puncher and couldn't uh, find his uh, uh, home run against Horn uh, when they fought back uh, in uh, April of last year. But you hit it on the head. Uh, Manny Pacquiao, even now at 38 years old, his hand speed and his accumulation of punches is generally uh, what, uh, what puts people out and the fact that they didn't see it coming and they weren't prepared for it. I think the same is going to happen to Jeff Horn, but I think Jeff Horn is in a win-win situation. This, this, this puts him on the map similar. You mentioned uh, Chris Algieri. Well, the same thing happened to Chris Algieri. Although Chris Algieri was a known fighter in, in the New York area, he really wasn't put on the map. Uh, well, I, I guess you could say he was on the map prior t- to Manny Pacquiao, but he really earned a couple of other fights after Manny Pacquiao. And I think the same thing is going to happen to Jeff Horn. I think Jeff Horn is a win-win situation. I think Manny Pacquiao is taking a big risk for this fight because I don't know what kind of dollars he's making, but should he not look good or should he even get upset and lose the fight, I think people will just shake their heads. And uh, and I think some of the other uh, opportunities will uh, go down the drain for uh, for Manny Pacquiao, if if there are any more opportunities. Like I said, you know, it's not, I'm not stating Jeff Horn is going to win, definitely. I'm not even saying, you know, um, I would bet money that Jeff Horn is going to get the upset, but I will say I would not be shocked. You know, Manny Pacquiao, I've seen articles that have stated much what you did. You know, he has nothing to, but some say he has nothing to prove and nothing to lose, but he does have something to prove and he has a lot to lose. He has more to lose here than a lot of criticism that Mayweather was given for his fight against Andre Berto because Berto was a former two-time world champion. Now, Jeff Horn is an unknown. We have seen so many past greats go in there at the tail end of their career and face one of these unknown guys, Muhammad Ali against Leon Spinks, for example, even though Spinks was an Olympic gold medal winner, nobody knew who he really was outside of that. So, you know, Manny Pacquiao, if he should lose this fight and he has no more opportunities, like you stated, guess what? Fans are going to always remember that in history. You know, boxing, as I always say, has a short memory span, whether or not a fighter is still active or they're retired. And the last thing that these people are going to look back on later on is that Manny Pacquiao lost to a 17-1 unknown guy named Jeff Warren. It's not going to be Manny Pacquiao was at the tail end of his career, and he took a chance against an unknown guy in his home country, and then he just fell short because he was slipping in age. Well, I mean, when I say that Manny Pacquiao is in a lose-lose situation, I'm thinking, and maybe I'm wrong, but I'm thinking that Manny Pacquiao is looking ahead to maybe a, a, another big mega fight, uh, possibly against Terrence Crawford or, or maybe uh, Errol Spence or, or Keith Thurman or even a rematch with Mayweather, which we doubt will happen. And a loss here against Jeff Horn would derail all of that and probably end Manny's career. That, that's what I'm saying in terms of him being in a lose-lose situation because I agree with you 100% that if he beats Jeff Horn, people are going to say, so what? You know, um, who's Jeff Horn? You know, so uh, that was my point. I think that uh, uh, Manny could have went on and, and, you know, got a bigger name to continue uh, fighting. But he's he's picking uh, a guy. Now, is, was Jeff Horn a mandatory by the WBA or was that a, a picked opponent? 
the WBO, Jeff Horn oh, holds one of their minor titles. I forget which one it is exactly, but he does hold one of their minor titles, uh, maybe similar to the one that Joseph Parker used to have before um, him and Andy Ruiz Jr. fought for the uh, WBO heavyweight title. Matter of fact, I believe Jeff Horn was on the undercard of that fight, and that's where he won that belt. So that's how he got into this position. Uh, over to what you're saying about Manny, even if he does win this, let's say, and then he goes, and then he has another fight against a big name like a Terrence Crawford or somebody uh, um, of that caliber, and he loses, what's going to happen there is they're going to say later on, you know what, he should have stayed right there. He could have went out on a win, and he could have just left. By, you know, He could have walked away from the sport on a win by facing a guy like uh, Jeff Horn. We say that about fighters all the time. You know what, just leave on a win. We've said it about Roy Jones Jr., who continuously goes out after these unknown guys because he wants to build it up. Oscar De La Hoya, who was probably the last fighter in boxing who is the A-side and can draw money against anybody, always insisted on fighting the absolute best. And you know something, Oscar De La Hoya stayed around a little bit too long. Manny Pacquiao was a fight where Oscar was hoping that he was going to fight a smaller man and he was going to finally get that win against a pound-for-pound fighter, and it backfired on him. So afterwards, what did he do? He went and he fought Stevie Forbes, who's a very good fighter, but Stevie was a lot smaller than him, and uh, Oscar couldn't even knock him out, but he got that win. Oscar should have quit long before that, and it would have looked better even if he would have quit after the Mayweather fight, and at least he went out against the top name. And same thing's going to happen with Manny Pacquiao if he should look bad in this and lose his next fight. This is a lose-lose situation for Manny Pacquiao. Even if he dominates, who did you beat? And if he uh, wins and goes on and loses, you stayed around too long. And if he loses, you stayed around too long. No matter what, Manny Pacquiao's in a lose-lose situation here unless he follows it up with something sensational. Uh, well, a sensational win, we'll, we'll get uh, I don't know. I agree. I think he's in a lose-lose situation. A uh, couple other uh, questions I wanted to ask you. Um, they made it officially official official. Uh, Nevada State Athletic Commission has reversed the uh, outcome. We, we, we thought it was going to happen. They changed the uh, Guillermo Rigondeaux fight to a no contest. Um, and by the way, it was the inter- WBO Intercontinental that Jeff Horn one so uh that's uh, he must be uh at least an approved opponent by the wbo so uh he's got that to uh, fall back on but anyway back to the uh that question do you think that they're going to have a rematch or have you heard anything uh, along the lines of uh, uh of the rigandau fight as of right now no uh, you know rigandau is disappointed and rightfully so um, I disagreed with Larry Hazard last week on his outtake on it. I watched that uh, fight, even though it was only around. I watched it about 20 times, and the same thing every time. What I see is I see uh, Guillermo Rigondeaux leaning back to avoid a right hand, and his arm is already cocked, and then as he's coming up, he throws that punch. You know, it's almost impossible, unless it's a movie scene and you use special effects, to be in that type of position and to be able to come back up with that bell ringing and not be in motion to let your hands go which is almost impossible. I don't think it was deliberate, and I think it was unfair. So I really think uh, Rigondeaux should have, you know, got that win. If anything, you want to blame me, blame the referee for not being in position. No, I, I agree with that. I think that Vic Draculich deserves uh, uh, a lot of the blame for not being in position. But, uh, but I, I, you know, I think the wrong decision would have been a DQ because I agree with you that I don't think that the, it was a deliberate after the bell punch, but I guess a no contest um, because of, uh, uh, you know, the opponent uh, falling down. And, and let me ask you, last week we had several emails suggesting that he was faking it. You know, I didn't 
think so. I, I, you know, I mean, I, I didn't think it was a fake. I thought it was a, a, a clear knockout. I mean, I, do you think it was? You, you said you watched it a hundred times. Do you think that uh, it, it was a bit of acting, like a, like a Durrell? No, not at all. You know, Flores is a real fighter. You know, and, you know, he came in there. He wanted to win. This was the biggest opportunity of his career. This was really going to springboard him. Guillermo Rigondeaux, as we've stated here often, and a lot of people believe, this is a guy who gets the short end of the stick in the sport. He's gotten, you know, screwed over. You know, there's no other way to put that. He is that good. You know, he makes guys look foolish. After uh, his win over Nonito Donaire, that should have catapulted him into superstardom. Uh, Rigondeaux, you know, this is a guy who is offering to give up his title. Anybody uh, fight for this title, just let let me be the mandatory so I can get a big fight. He's begging for fights. He's offered to fight for free several times. You know, so this this is a guy here who is that good, and every opponent that stepped in with him has realized, and he punches a lot harder than people realize. He's a very, um, you know, if this was the 80s, he was a Pernell Whitaker, you know, he'd be a super uh, sensation in this era. But Pernell Whitaker sort of had that hard time of getting over that hump and uh, that mainstream and overcoming the other guys that uh, were on in that era, whether or not it be a Felix Trinidad, uh, Felix Trinidad or Oscar De La Hoya because Whitaker was such a, uh, a defensive fighter and that's the problem with Rigondeaux. The difference is Rigondeaux was also a knockout puncher in his last several fights I think he's sort of uh, incorporated that a little bit more purposely just to try and uh, get the fans to put him in a little bit more of demand. So the sport has been very unfair to Guillermo Rigondeaux. It's almost as though he's being punished for being too good. Does, um, does that knockout punch and despite it being changed to a no contest based on what you just said and I agree, it was a devastating knockout punch, and I love seeing a fighter that's so, you know, uh, defensive-minded be aggressive and, and go in for the kill. Does it being changed to a no contest help or hurt Rigondeaux? It hurts. You know, this it hurts because just as I was stating about Pacquiao or other guys, what you see on the end and when uh, a lot of people, especially in this era of social media and the Internet, what they're going to see is that no contest. Nobody's going to sit there and look, whether it be now or 20 years from now, exactly what circumstances surrounded that. They're just going to see the no contest and they're going to assume that some sort of shady shenanigans or something like that went on. Then they're going to see the lack of fights that Guillermo Rigondeaux had. And so, you know, it's going to always look bad and no contest looks bad. On anybody's record when it's just there on paper, unless you actually know the situation behind it. And it's frustrating for Rigondeaux, you know, because the no contest right there, you know, that gives another excuse for a lot of these big names to turn down a fight with him, you know, a big money fight. I think he's 36, 37. He doesn't have a lot of time left, you know, something. So all they're going to say is, well, you just had a no contest. Why don't you uh, erase that? Or they can sit there and say, you know what, we're not taking this with you. Why don't you prove you can stop a top name without hitting him after the punch? You know, there's always some sort of angle to be worked out on there. So, Rigondeaux was just never going to win. You know, even when he wins, he loses. Yeah, um, I, I, you know, it's going to be uh, interesting to see if they have a rematch and what the interest level is there. But uh, one last question for you, Dax, and I know this is going to be right up your alley because you're, you're our social media guy. It was reported on social media um, over the weekend, and, I, you know, I don't know how true it is, and that's why I'm looking for you, but uh, is it true that... Canelo Alvarez will be coming out second, that they're making Triple G walk out first. I mean, I, 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 that, that blows my mind considering all of Triple G's belts are on the line. Is that true? You know, it's, it's exactly, you know, the promoter pull. 
It's, and that's the problem. It's the pull of the promoter. We've seen that with Sergey Kovalev and Andre Ward. Irregardless of the fact that in their first fight, Kovalev was the champion. Andre Ward was the one pulling the strings in his promoter. So, you know, that's more or less what happens with uh, uh, Golovkin. Only the diehard boxing fans really like Golovkin, you know, or, or really follow him. The rest of the fans, even after the Daniel Jacobs win, he still doesn't get credit for anything in his career. And he's beaten a lot of good opponents. And, you know, Canelo being the draw and Canelo being the guy who sells because in the few pay-per-views that Golovkin has been on, they haven't sold very much. So you know what? In terms of a business sense, boxing is a business first and foremost. It's only logical for Canelo to come out first no matter how wrong it is. I mean, for Canelo to come out last no matter how wrong it is. I just, uh, you know, I mean, to me, that's screaming devalues, devalues the, the belts. I mean, I don't know if that's a good thing. But, um, you know, it's devaluing it. I mean, I, you know, we can understand that, uh, that he is uh, a fighter that is the bigger draw, but maybe they worked out a deal. And I don't know this. I, you know, I don't follow the social media as, as closely as you, you do. And I know Oscar said that Canelo will be coming out second, but I'm sure they have to announce him first. I mean, they can't possibly let Canelo come out um, you know, second, and then announce him second. You know, I mean, it makes no sense. Now, years ago, they used to bring the champion out first. The champion was always out first. So, um, I mean, uh, yeah, the champion always came out first, and the challenger came out second. So, um, I, it's going to be curious to see if Canelo gets the uh, shot at coming out second and announced second. What's your thoughts? I can't remember. I'm sitting here trying to think. And Henry Haskup would be the guy uh, to ask. Henry, Henry could tell you what shoe size a guy, uh, a fighter had in 1822 if you ask him without having to look it up. But uh, back in the 90s or, or the 80s, there used to be a champion who used to like to actually be the one who um, was announced first. I do believe that in most situations it's the champion's choice. And it's not some sort of, there's no official rule that says whether a champion has to come out first or second. So, you know, in my opinion, this is all the business. Uh, this all has to do with business in terms of the titles being devalued those titles have been de been devalued for a long time and that has nothing to do with Golovkin it's just the values the titles today are just devalued no you're right there my man well listen oh, yeah. uh you know when, when one one last thing, you know, we speak about the tail ends of careers and people seeking attention. Paulie Malignaggi has become so sickening, you know, with social media. This is a guy who does nothing but goes on social media and insults everybody and has bad things to say about everyone. And recently he has truly just bashed and called the common man losers. Anybody not making six figures or above in Paulie Malignaggi's eye is a loser. Um, he was degrading, uh, you know, fast food workers and college students because they wanted the uh, level of minimum wage wage to be raised and he's talking about well they shouldn't because they have no skills it's not anybody else's fault but their own they're a loser i'm tired of supporting them you know you know paulie you know he doesn't know a guy named uh, michael gates gill you know a yale graduate who was uh wearing three to five thousand dollar uh suits worked for christian dior ford he was a top average advertising exec he was making well over 1.5 million dollars a year the company he worked for folded he lost his job he couldn't get any type of uh work he ended up going to starbucks making nine dollars an hour and last about it, saying that half the time he screws up the coffee orders. You know what? Because the man had to go and do do what he had to do, and you know he came out and said, you know what? We're just making ends meet. I spent my money foolishly, but you got to do what you got to do. It'd be nice for a little bit of a minimum 
wage to go up. You know, so Paulie Malinagi you know, calling these people losers when these people are just out there doing what they're supposed to do. You know what, Paulie? They're out there. They're working, and you should respect that because these working guys are the ones that buy these tickets to see you get a haircut in between rounds, to see you cry because Adrian Broner stole your girlfriend, uh, you know, to see you cry because Sean Porter just abused you in the first round, and, you know, the ones that still say today, you know what, the highlight of your career is taking a beating from Prime Miguel Cotto. You know, Paulie Malandangi has become pathetic, and he's one of these guys that uses social media for attention. You know, Paulie, why don't you just, instead of your future legend, why don't you just wear a big sign that says, look at me, please. <laughs> you know, uh, there's so many discussions about the minimum wage, and, and uh, you know, not that, you know, I believe people should make as much money as they possibly can. The only legitimate argument um, to uh, against raising the minimum wage, which has nothing to do with uh, Paulie and and uh, you know what you're saying, because I agree, uh, he's 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 the Fran Dresser of, uh, uh, in case anybody doesn't know, the nanny uh, of uh, of boxing. But but the truth <laughs> of the matter is, uh, Dax is some small businesses that uh, may be forced to you know pay uh, you know 15 bucks an hour for for help won't be able to survive. Um, and, and without raising their price. And, and just the way business is conducted now, we're losing a lot of that. You know, somebody made a point recently about the interaction that we have, and they used uh, uh, back in the, the 80s and early 90s when uh, you went to a video uh, store, a, a blockbuster video, and rented a movie. And you'd be able to to talk to uh, the, the, the salesperson and they would say, oh, you know, you, know, you watched uh, uh, this uh, horror flick, you know, oh, did you try this one? Did you try that one? And, and give you some insight. Now, nobody goes to, to a, a you know, video store. They either get it uh, in a red box, they don't interact, or they, they order it uh, without interaction. And that whole interaction, even, even phones, we don't even use our phones anymore. We text, you know, and that whole interaction is is being removed and something like doubling a uh you know and i'm just using i don't know if it's actually doubling but doubling a a hourly wage for a small mom and pop type shop might force them to close further in that division in in society and i i think we need that interaction what, what do you i know it's not boxing but what do you think on that real quick I, I believe so. You know, um, I complain all the time. I'm not an overly political guy, and this had nothing to do with politics or actually the minimum wage Why I mention this. You know, I'm the type of guy that, you know, somebody goes someplace. You don't have to be overly nice to me. It doesn't have to be all mister or can I help you. No, just, you know, how you doing? Yes, thank you. And, you know, j just courteous. That's all. You know, I, you know, I do get aggravated when somebody's just actually rude or you go up to a counter and somebody's talking on their cell phone while you're sitting there, you know, trying to pay for something. You know, that's just has nothing to do with even being a customer. It's just blatant disrespect to another person. Person. And, uh, you know, we lack that. But that's, you know, it's the error today. And you're right. You know, more people are uh, texting. Um, I talk to the kids all the time saying, you know what, go call on your friend. What's that mean? Call on them means you're actually knocking the door and see if they want to come outside. So that it's, it's just the error. But my point with Paulie is, you know something, you're out there and you're bashing all these people that are, you know, these are people, these are the fans of the sport. And you're bashing people openly and you have a lot of followers because people are talking about a raise for minimum wage and you're calling people losers. These are the same losers that sit there and they buy these tickets. Remember, even in the times of the Depression when nobody had money, you know what, everybody always found a way to go see the fights. And this is how the sport evolved. And, you know, when you're sitting there and, and you're destroying fans who work hard for that money, they're going to spend it another way. They're not going to spend it on boxing, especially somebody who wants to cry because your opponent stole your girlfriend. 
Dax, I appreciate uh, your insight, and uh, I agree with you about polymelanology. So uh, we'll look forward to you. Uh, it seems see most people did that day as well. So Oh, I could imagine. <laughs> I could imagine. And remember, you remember me and you at the Taylor Frotch fight? He was the only guy that got booed on that card. I know. He did get booed. He was, uh, he was terrible that night, and that was like a comeback fight for him. But uh, anyway, Dax, we'll talk to you later in the week, my man. All right, everybody, enjoy your day. The weather's beautiful. Yes, it is. Have a good one. That's Dax Khan. Check out his column uh, up on BillyCBoxing.com. Uh, uh, hey, listen, I'm going to take a short break, uh, but when I get back, uh, we're going to have uh, Sal back on. And uh, I got a couple of more emails to read, which I want to uh, get those uh, uh, done. And uh, we got some other news to talk about. So uh, don't go nowhere. Uh, we'll be uh, right back. Billy C. will be right back. Part of the Billy C. Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now. Or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back. Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're listening and watching the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us today. And uh, back with me right now is my man uh, Sal Rocky Senecola. And uh, Sal, we got some more emails. You ready? I am ready, my friend. Yes, let's go ahead. Uh, this one's from my man Rick. I'm glad Rick is uh, back uh, interacting with us because uh, he's been uh, watching this show for over a decade now. And uh, wow. if you're if you're new to the show, we we we're in our 14th year already. So uh, uh, I want to thank Rick for uh, sticking around. He says, uh, "Hey, Billy C and Sal, I think most people already know uh, about Cassius Clay against uh, Antonio uh, Inuki fight, uh, which he was." Uh, a wrestler, but it doesn't count. It didn't. It's not on his uh, box rec, but uh, or his official record. He says, "But did you guys know that according to box rec, Arch- Archie Moore's final fight was against a pro wrestler making his boxing debut? The fight took place under boxing rules. The opponent was Mike DeBassi, who was rated related to the Million Dollar Man Ted DeBassi, a famous WWF star from the '80s. Yeah, uh, classy. Wasn't it classy?" Wasn't that the guy, classy Teddy DeBassi? Uh, um, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm maybe I'm maybe. thinking of somebody else. But he says uh, Archie Moore KO'd Mike DeBassi in three rounds, uh, and that was DeBassi's first and only boxing match, and it was Moore's last fight also. So, uh, you know, I I just think Sal that um, boxing today, uh, and and I'm not saying that they didn't have some funky fights that were approved back in the day because they certainly did but the difference was was that fighters fought much more in other words uh, fighters today spar more than they used to years ago years ago a fighter used to fight three times a month or even more you know definitely twice a month and you know you might only have seen throughout one say one calendar year you might have only seen that fighter fight three or four top top notch fights and then the rest of them were not so top top notch but they boxing was a was a uh, um you know was a was a way of making a, a living it, it was a craft 
And, you know, they, they had to make a living, so they fought, and, and that's all they did. So fights like that back then, I, I think, were more accepted. I'm not, I'm not agreeing with them, but they were more accepted. But today's boxing, it's not like that. Number one, safety is a main concern, which it wasn't as concern, uh, as much of a concern back in the day. And number two, 90% of the fighters, unless you're a upper, upper echelon fighter who's making you know, six-figure uh, paydays every time you go out. Most of these fighters today, Sal, are working other jobs. That's hard to believe. That's that's that uh that's really interesting that you say that. I uh, I know if you're not in a big money and things like that, uh, that uh, you're you're definitely that goes across the board. You're working additional jobs or you have a career, and uh, boxing isn't uh, everything that uh, is supporting you or your family, but. Uh, when you're at an upper echelon level, you know it's uh, you should be fighting more and uh, getting those paydays because you got your limited time to do what you got to do. Yeah, but the, the the argument there is, you know, if they can, if if a fighter, and and this is where I agree with Floyd. My my, my disagreements with Floyd are who he picks, but my agreement with Floyd is why should Floyd Mayweather fight three times a year when he could fight once? and make way more money than he could in three fights. I, I agree with that mentality as long as the fights sure. are substantial. But but back in the day, boxing was a trade. You know, it you, was you, you could be a carpenter, you could be a plumber, uh, you could be a mason, you could be a boxer. And and when I say trade, uh, you know, like a trade job, like a, like a plumber, mason, carpenter, etc., that's what boxing was. Boxing was boxing. People started off as an amateur, they became a, a prospect, you know, turned pro, became a prospect. Uh, uh, you know, we know the, 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 the whole routine, a contender, a champion, if they made it that far. But then they stayed in the sport of boxing as a coach, as a gym owner, uh, as a trainer, as a promoter. And we had what we call boxing people running the sport of boxing, which is what we don't have today. If you have a checkbook and it's got some money in there, you're in. That's all you need to do, you know, so... Uh, Anyway, I don't know, but uh, no, it's true. It's true, and you know the the fighters back then, you know they were hungry. They they, I mean, fighters today are hungry too. But uh, I mean, the fighters back then, that's how they supported their families. They weren't really working other jobs. Uh, some of them were working part time jobs, sure, but uh, they were working and they were fighting more regularly. As soon as their bodies healed up or they could get a fight. They're fighting every couple of weeks. They're fighting once a month. They're fighting this and that, getting those paydays. Half of these guys fought hurt. Charlie Burley, one of my favorite fighters of all time, the only guy that Sugar Ray Robinson refused to fight, Charlie Burley. If you never heard of him, punch him up. Uh, All-time great. Never won a title, and that's only because of the color of his skin. They didn't give him the uh, opportunities because he was black. But this was one of the greatest fighters of all time. He would fight with broken hands. He would put a broken hand into the glove, Sal, because his wow. hands were fragile, little weak, little girly hands like Floyd Mayweather has. And, uh, you know, he, but the difference is this guy used to put a broken hand into the glove, you know, and still fight. I mean, what kind of what kind of pain threshold does a man or anybody have, for that matter, that, that just puts a broken hand into a glove and continues to fight. Now, today they wouldn't have let it happen because, you know, they'd have medical uh, people examining them, et cetera, et cetera. No, that's true. And, uh, you know, I, I know I have had definitely uh, fights when I, my knuckles were sore or hurt. But, uh, 
you know, they were not broken. And uh, you can come over to the uh, mind over matter, and it's going to be painful, and you don't think about it because it's the way you're built. But uh, you know, that's that's uh, uh, no, that that that's that's a. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but boy, <laughs> fighting with a broken hand. You know, oh, he did it many times. That's he a little did, much. He did it multiple times, Sal, because Charlie Burley used to break his hands hitting the heavy bag. He had very fragile hands, but he couldn't not bring home a paycheck to support his family, so he would never right. back out of fights. And he, and a lot of times, most of the time, he won the fights that he had uh, a broken hand before the fight even started. But uh, we got one more email. This is from my main man, Mitch. And... Um, it's kind of funny, all right? And what it is is it's, uh, um, it's an email. Cons- we were, he sent me an email um, talking about uh, um, Virgil Hunter. And, you know, I believe Virgil Hunter is a, is a fraud. I, I think that he's an overrated trainer, and um, he's getting a lot of press and, and uh, notoriety today because of his success with Andre Ward. And, and you know, rightfully so. I mean, there's no question that he deserves credit uh, with Andre Ward. But Andre Ward is an exceptional fighter that I think would do just as well without Virgil Hunter. I've yet to see Virgil Hunter help another fighter. Um, you know, he's done uh, some crazy things. Uh, you know, Amir Khan was, uh, la- you know, laid out, you know, uh, uh, his last uh, fighter that he took uh, under undertook uh, was laid out. You know, uh, this is a guy. I mean, great trainers can make fighters uh, better. Uh, Virgil Hunter, I- I'm not so sure. He's more of a a mental coach. You know, he tries to help them uh, mentally. And and this email from Mitch uh, kind of says it all. He says the psychological BS that Virgil Hunter spews captivates young minds. They all fall for it. He says, Andre, uh, and this is what he says, Andre Berto walks back to the corner after getting beat up in a round. He looks to Virgil for guidance. Virgil says, well, Andre, it reminds me of a story my great-grandmama used to tell me back in the Deep South. She said, a truth has feet and a lie has wings. That's why a lie can fly all over town and get there first. But the truth moves slowly, Andre, and when it gets there, it stands on its own. So if I, can, if I can't help, I won't hinder, Andre. Remember that, son. If I can't help, I won't hinder. Andre looks into space three seconds before the bell rings and tries to process that total line of BS that this clown just told him. Andre proceeds to get his ass kicked in that round, and the referee gives him a mercy stoppage. Maybe Virgil Hunter should have told Andre not to punch for the entire round because that's what great trainers tell their guys to do, right? <laughs> wow. I loved that email because <laughs> I the, love tru- it. the truth of the matter is, is my biggest hang-up with trainers today is that they don't give instruction in between rounds or they give too much. You can't tell a fighter... The fighter comes back to the round. The round is over. His, his adrenaline's going, and a fighter sits down, and you have one of two bad corner men, Sal. The one guy says, okay, son, what you got to do is you got to go for the right hand. You got to unleash the right hand, and don't get caught with his left. And what the uppercut's there, too. And don't forget to work the body. And another thing, 
Keep moving to your right. You always got to move to your right. And don't forget, you got to have that overhand right too because that's wide open. He's hungry for that. He's waiting for that. Make sure you hit him with the overhand right. And make sure you sidestep to your left. And cover yourself at all times. And don't let him hit you in the right. Ding. Uh -huh. And the fighter what goes happened? back and the fighter's like, what did he just oh, say? Oh, boy, I just got hit. What, Here what did he comes just say? again. Boom, boom. It, exactly. I'm too much. Now, the other version of a bad, uh, a bad corner is a guy that does this. The guy comes back to the ring, and the guy says, man, what are you doing? Man, you, you're you big. You're better than him. You're stronger than him. Now you go out there, and you beat his butt. You know what we worked on. We worked on all of that in the corner. You go out there. You're better. You're the man. You can make him better. Go out there. Go. You're stronger. You're tougher. Ding. And he gets a rah-rah, right? No instruction. No instruction. The right way to handle a fighter in between rounds is as a good trainer, you're watching the fight, you see a couple of things that have to be changed. So you make what we call an adjustment, an in-fight adjustment, Sal, and a, a fighter comes back to the corner, and the corner man is calm, and he says, hey, listen, you gotta watch the left, the left is coming in, and the right hand you got, and I'm just using this as an example, use the right, set it up with the jab, okay? Watch his left, it's coming at you all the time, Set up your right hand with your jab. That's what you got to work on. Don't forget. Watch his left. It's coming in. And don't forget to use your jab. You'll set up your right hand with his jab. Ding. That's how you talk to a guy. In a, and I'm not a trainer, Sal. But the truth of the matter is, is you focus on one or two things. And that's, that's it. Do. Right? What so do you think? That's all, that's all you could do, you know. And, you know, I love this show. And I love what you do. Because every time... You know, I, I thank God every day that that uh, I still have the mind that uh, that can have the memory and recall so many situations. And like you, you will say something, and I'll flash back, and I'll I'll take in a certain instance, and 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 right then and there, I, I can think of things that Don Turner told me, that Richie Giacchetti told me, that Ali Stoltz, that this one, that that one, uh, Johnny Torres, and you know, I, I remember what you were just saying, just uh, made me think back. One one fight, Richie Giacchetti said, Sal, don't think too much. Just go and react, and you'll have this guy wrapped up. And, you know, that's it. You you, you just let your body. You can't think too much of what you got to do. Here you got to do it. You're going to make a plan, work a plan, sure. But, uh, you know, that's all he had. Every fighter knows with his relationship with his trainer, they should know what buttons could be pushed and what could be easily accessed and how to how to motivate your fighter how to how to call it's a good relationship and you know and in all due respect i'm sure andre ward has this kind of uh relationship with hunter um but it doesn't mean that that it can cross over to another fighter and that's the whole thing one that's why i asked the question last week what, what comes first the chicken or the egg the fighter or the trainer you know i think it's a blend of both you got the talent of the fighter and the, the the trainer can hone in and and increase the 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 opportunities of what his his talent could be by uh, negating the the bad and, and enhancing the good and uh, you know all in all it's it's a good relationship but uh, yeah you can't spew too much stuff and you can't just be a rah rah guy you got to be concise you got a minute in between rounds and you got to identify what the weaknesses are going on for your fighter during the during the round that's all nope hey on this day in boxing history june 26th 
1959, Ingemar Johansson knocks out Floyd Patterson in the third round to win the world heavyweight title. It took place in the Bronx, New York. Bronx. On this day in 1976, Carlos Monzon wins a 15-round decision over Rodrigo Valdez to unify the world middleweight title. It took place in Monte Carlo. On this day in 1982, Leroy Haley wins a 15-round decision over Saul Mamby to win the WBC World Junior Welterweight title. It took place in uh, Ohio. On this day in 1993, Dingen uh, Thobia wins a 12-round decision over Tony Ritagor Lopez to win the WBA World Lightweight title. It took place in Sun City. On this day in 1999, Paulie Aiella wins a 12-round decision over Johnny Tapia to win the WBA World Bantamweight title. That took place in Vegas. And finally, on this day, June 26th in 1972, Roberto Duran stops Kenny Buchanan in the 13th round to win the WBA World Lightweight title. And that took place in New York City. This is the fight that if you've never seen it, this fight just amplifies what the real Roberto Duran was like. His nickname was Rocky Duran at that time, not Hands of Stone. And uh, this fight was a great fight. If you've never watched it, go punch it up. 1972, Roberto Duran against Kenny Buchanan from Madison Square Garden. What a great fight. Hey, man, Sal, we got uh, a busy week this week, um, but uh, it's over for today. So uh, I tell everybody, <laughs> I tell everybody, hey, make sure you tune in tomorrow morning. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, ciao, baby.